Scanners, Star Wars Special 3 Part 2. Uh, hopefully you listened to Part 1. It came out about two weeks ago. We talked about some Star Wars stuff, some industry stuff. Uh, specifically, our least favorite Star Wars villains. And that's kind of where we're going to jump into uh, in this episode. Starting with our favorite Star Wars villains. So, uh, I'm sure, Darren, you have a lot to uh, talk about here, yeah? Uh, yeah, I sure yeah, do. Sure. I'm excited about it. Um, so I am fairly convinced that we're going to overlap at least once, if not twice, during this. Yeah, I don't know how much drama there's going to be at the top of those lists. And I do sort of feel like anytime you see lists like these that don't end with Darth Vader, it's someone trying just to be different for difference sakes. Nevertheless, yeah. I think there's a discussion to be had. I do too, but we did talk at the at the end of the last episode about the fact that Kylo Ren gets a little bit of uh, a push, probably from newer fans, about maybe being the best. Uh, and he was at the bottom of your list, right? Yeah, he, he's, he's my absolute least favorite villain. So, which I think is incredibly interesting, and I, I think it's no spoiler here that we're both going to probably lean toward Vader. But right, I, it, but I, I think it's really cool to Just think. Being honest, yeah. So, so what do you have leading up to Vader then? Because that that there's no secret. So, what is leading up to Vader? My two honorable mentions: uh, Jabba the Hutt. Okay, not mine. Um. And he's such a great villain because he's gross, he's slimy, he's underhanded, and it's something or someone or it you just want to see horrible things happen to him. And I lo- and one of my favorite scenes, and, and you know, is Luke just walking up, or he doesn't, he walks into there, goes right up to the gangster, says, "Let's go, pal. Maybe my friend's back, or I'm taking you down." He just laughs in his face, you know. He talks about his favorite ornament, pointing mm-hmm. to Captain Solo, and about how he has employed all these people throughout the galaxy that even, like, the Empire hasn't come down to get him yet. I mean, he's such a, he's just a really great villain. Do you, um, know, do you know what hurt me uh, with with Jabba the Hutt? Uh, the, the special editions, when they added that scene of him talking to Solo and him getting his tail stepped on, it just kind of—I don't—I don't know. It—it it took away a little bit of that original. He's kind of like this—this this perfect villain. It, it, I don't know. So because I was thinking about him when I was going through, and I was like, I—I I just don't see him up there because of that. It, which is a sad thing that those those edits did is is hurt it. And my whole vision of Jabba's palace also, and they added that song in the special editions. Yeah. Which again kind of destroys the whole atmosphere of Jabba's palace for me so I think that's why he kind of got bumped off all right yeah I mean fair enough I still remember so vividly seeing Jabba the first time as a kid going what is that (laughs) and then seeing all that went into his creation and his execution on film is very fascinating uh, character from the creation standpoint uh, from the build standpoint and on screen is like I said he's just classic slimy sniveling evil dastardly 
It's almost like you could have had the curling mustache on him kind of villain, like classic old school villain. For sure. My other uh, honorable mention is Grand Moff Tarkin, the guy who basically, you know, you get you get a sense that he had no trouble telling the Emperor what he should be doing, and he absolutely had no trouble, you know, as Leia says, you have Vader on your, on your leash all the time, and he did. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be noted that Kenner action figures... He's one of the few that never got made. Really? Yeah, in the original Kenner line, Grand Moff Tarkin. All those characters that got an action figure, he never did. I don't exactly know why, but there was plans to continue the action figure line following Return of the Jedi, which would have seen him surviving the Death Star and coming back. Um, There's a really great YouTube channel called Toy Galaxy. And if you look in their oddities uh, section, there's a, the guy dug up all these plans that Kenner had for the follow-up uh, for their action figure line. But first of all, uh, uh, God, I have his name written down. Uh, Peter Cushing was the was the actor that played him. Uh, you know what else he played on the big screen? No, Doctor Who. Those two oh, films they made in the yeah, 60s? Yeah, you did. That was Grand Moff Tarkin, Doctor Who. You played Doctor Who. I thought that name was uh, very familiar. His delivery, that very proper English accent, you know. And, I mean, not to be rude, he also looked like he was one cigarette away from emphysema. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just, just an absolutely wonderful at performance. And the moment he walks on screen, you go villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the worst kind. Like He's the, he's the galaxy far, far away's version of a, a corporate villain, too. Uh, so those are my two honorable mentions. What do you got? All right, my first was more for pure visualization than execution in the film, and that is Darth Maul. It, he's what drew me into the idea that episode one was going to be great. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, look at him. He looked what you wanted, right? This is going to be our new villain, and... The double lightsaber is so cool, and honestly, the comics that came out uh, fairly recently in the last couple of years were, were quite good following uh, his tutelage underneath uh, Vader. Uh, not Vader, underneath the Emperor, Palpatine. Uh, so I thought that was very, very interesting, and I think he's a very interesting character that we didn't get enough of, and Absolutely I'm still right. intrigued by him. And the fact that I can still be intrigued with him, even though he was so useless in episode one, kind of proves that he deserves a spot for me. Well, he still has uh, the best lightsaber duel in the entire franchise, for sure, between mm-hmm. he and Obi-Wan, and even partly Kylo Ren. Or, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn, yeah. Alliteration, almost. Mm-hmm. Almost. Um, almost, eh? Now, he was completely underutilized. Absolutely. And can you imagine, had they allowed him to be the main villain of the prequel trilogy and maybe even have Vader take him out Mm -hmm. to become the big bad. And the other thing is, I remember, and you're so right when you say that, oh, this is going to be the new villain. I remember my big concern going into the prequel trilogy was how are they going to find a villain to top Darth Vader? And then I saw his picture and I I remember thinking, I don't think he's topping Darth Vader, but that's about as close as you're yeah. going to get. Well done. And, and that was the thing. It, it just as a pure visualization, he's perfect. He just looks like this ball of fury and rage. Absolutely. And you're like, this... He, he just had that sense. Like, this is a formidable opponent for anybody. Mm-hmm. And... He was also very opposite of Darth Vader, where Darth Vader was slow and plotting. This guy was bouncing all over the place. He was fast, 
lightning fast. And you know, I always I've said this so many times, and I've said it for years that they one of the things the trailer did poorly for the Phantom Menace was reveal that he had a double bladed lightsaber. Because if they had saved that for the movie. You would have reacted like Allen Iverson crossing over Jordan in the '96 All Star Game, like totally blown away. Well, that's what I told you. That was that was one of the moments that I I reference when I say why I don't generally watch trailers. I'm starting to slowly break that because of just life. I yeah. Mean, between episodes, we watched uh, the uh, Wonder Woman trailer because I said I wanted to finally see it, and I told you I saw the Black Widow trailer, yeah. which again, <laughs> that Wonder Woman trailer is amazing. So, so I mean it. That that did. That was one of the things that turned me away from it. So, I don't know. It's a big thing. So, Darth Maul is my, my first uh, honorable. My second honorable is Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, very good. I mean, he was the big bad, honestly. Like, yes, Vader is the one that we lean in, and he was, like, our more focal point. But he was the big bad for the prequels and the original trilogy. He really is. Yeah, he's, he's, and apparently he's back. That's that's the rumor. We'll we see on uh, episode nine. So it's it's still we'll wait to see, right? Um, but yeah, Palpatine. He intrigued me a lot as a kid. I remember a lot. Like he literally creeped me out. His weird wrinkly face underneath his hood. His ability to shoot lightning from his fingertips. It was such a cool bad thing, and I just when I. I remember when I used to read books, not that I don't read books now, but when I read a lot of fantasy novels when I was a little kid, and they would talk about like the Dark Wizard, I would see Palpatine in my brain. And the fact that my mind instantly goes to that when I think Dark Wizard, granted he's not a wizard. I kind of is a wizard. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, Jedi are wizards. Basically, is, right? I mean, you're so, not going to get an argument from me on it. Yeah, so I, I think that says a lot for the character and the character creation and that voice. Oh, that voice. It's just evil voice. It is just so perfect. Textbook evil yes. English guy. <laughs> and, and and I love it. I love it so much. And it's it's hard to think about Vader. It's hard to think about the dark side of the Force without thinking of the Emperor. And, man, and I mean, how long in my life was he just the Emperor? Like, he wasn't even Emperor Palpatine. Like, I thought the Emperor was that. Like, that that is it. The, the name didn't really connect to him until i was a bit older and i just i have a history with my distaste for him i i I think i had an action figure of him at one point but i definitely don't even i don't have any of my old star wars action figures because i I you take a look behind you yeah behind you no i know there's there's tons back there um but yes he's over there i'm I'm sure Uh, you know i always every time i hear a villain you know recite obligatory dialogue where they applaud the hero for their efforts but mm-hmm. i always hear him going good good mm-hmm. and uh, you know his appearance is one of the big disappointments of the prequel trilogy for me because i always thought that he was just this evil twisted guy and, and, and the fact that he was so evil his form was twisted because of it over time and then we find out he was just he electrocuted himself essentially mm-hmm. when trying to beat uh which because uh, it wasn't uh it was Mace Windu who was deflecting his bolts. Yeah. Like, why do you stop shooting the bolts? <laughs> it's one of those things you go. You look at the prequel trilogy and go, "All right, That's I guess fine. You're... whatever." <laughs> yeah, he, I did. Yeah, you thought that his evil warped him, and that wasn't it. And I it mean, wasn't in a sense, in a sense but it, it's yeah, not, not really not in the most literal form that that I assumed that he just was being consumed. And I don't know. He's just he is he's so good. He is so good. All right, so are we ready to talk about Darth Vader? Yeah, let's talk about Vader. So, obviously, uh, both of our picks 
Vader. So yeah, and again, I, I, I we talked last episode about how yeah. there's a generation of Star Wars fans out there who probably grew up with their entry in the Star Wars being something other than the original trilogy. Yes. We are not those people. No. Um, and I don't know how you select Darth Vader of of, of people of our elk select Darth Vader. Unless you're going to go the Boba Fett route and you're only selecting it because he looks cool. Because let's be honest, he didn't really do anything in the movies. No. You're selecting him based on looks alone. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people, like my friend Mark, um, he is a massive Boba Fett fan. And I know Tim's son is. But if you just go by what's in the movies, yeah, okay. But anyway, Darth Vader, go ahead, Phil. You, you take it away. Well, and I, I was also going to piggyback off. I actually think that people our age could also argue the emperor um for, sure for the same reasons i was speaking of but i for me vader for the big thing for me thinking back to the original is the fact that just the of him just breathing and the fact that you'd go oh no vader's coming yeah in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the the music from Jaws. Yes, very but, much but, so. But yeah. in this case, it's uh, it's actually inside the narrative itself. Mm-hmm. And James Earl Jones's voice, just Man. perfect for the character. And, I mean, even the first time you really see Vader like walk onto the ship coming after Leia, uh, when the door gets cut down and he walks in, like that, that is that is very very cool. Like here's your villain walking through the smoke. And he's just dressed completely in black, and he's breathing with that deep, terrifying breath. And is it's just, I don't know. Uh, and the first time you really see him use the force to choke, and the fact that you're like, man, this guy can mess you up and not even have to touch you. I, there's something terrifying about that, right? Like he didn't even have to like really see you. Like he could be talking to you from far, far away, and he just chokes you. You're done. Doesn't even have to be on the yeah. same ship. Yeah, it's it's truly terrifying, and the fact that people you you could see the characters in the movie react to the fact that he is near them because they're so terrified he's just going to kill them just because he can, and what's going to stop him? Yeah, I mean, one of them. You could be, I mean, we always say one of the most iconic. Iconic is such an overused term. And I think he transcends any sort of iconicism. Um, he is among the most recognizable uh, visages of any medium whatsoever. I mean, I think he's up there with the Superman logo and the Batman logo. Right there is Darth Vader's face, mm-hmm. his helmet, his mask. Um he is the personification of evil right up until the end of Return of the Jedi. And the fa- and that's what makes Luke's heroicism that much more because he redeems him at the end. He gets him out of it. He, he, he convinces him this isn't who you are. Um, and it's too bad that the prequel, deal, prequel trilogy did so much damage to that. Um, I don't exactly know where you would have gone after Return of the Jedi had Darth Vader lived if they were going to do more because there was always those rumors there were, were to be more but George Lucas ended up cutting it off wisely so I yeah. think at that point with Darth Vader his story had ended um, but everything you just said just the way he carries himself the way he walks the way he moves that sometimes you you only see the lights on his chest um, like in the, in the in the Empire Strikes Back one of my favorites is you just see the silhouette of him against the smoke 
but you can see the lights on the mm-hmm. chest, and then the and then the lightsaber ignites, and he says, okay, he's like, uh, well, I, when he says to Luke, um, you know, you are not a Jedi yet. But I, I think I think that says a lot too. You talking about like the lights or him like firing up his lightsaber. He didn't have to say anything for you to go, oh no, like he had such a presence on the screen that you felt like you were there you felt like you were still intimidated by him even though he was on the big screen and you were or your little screen if you're watching at home mm-hmm. the, there's a power there that you don't frequently get from villains in anything let alone uh, a long-form movie series no you're right and the fact that pretty much up until that last what 15 20 minutes of the movie you're like he he's just going to mess everybody up like even luke his own son like he wants to make him evil and if he's not going to be evil then he'll kill him and that that little twist at the end i think that's why the twist at the end of jedi where you know he does betray the emperor and he kind of sides with his son and he basically gives up on the dark side that that whole and whole thing i think is so much better because he's so i don't even think the word evil is right just like this personification of darkness i i I don't know it it, he's very interesting to i suppose you're right because if he's truly evil then he cannot be redeemed Mm -hmm. so maybe you're right that it's a a personification of darkness i hadn't thought of it that way that's pretty good um now i i just think there's there's a presence about him too for sure it's this domineering presence this oh crap like even when I play video games and you come across them, I, I take off the other way. And it's like I'm not winning this fight, at least not the first twelve times. All right, um, Darth Vader. You know he's my favorite villain in the Star Wars list. He'd probably be at the top of my favorite villains for any list, at or near the top. He is the archetype for all other villains, because. Don't all of the best villains, aren't they all fallen heroes or think that they are heroes? For sure. I mean, they, they, this is, I think we said it on a podcast before, like, all of their villains fall underneath him. I mean, and, and, and you're aspiring to be a villain that has the presence of Darth Vader, someone whose name is almost not spoken, someone who you're afraid to even think about him because you don't want him to show up because he's got this great cosmic power that could, he could do that. Um, well, and I think that's what made it more terrifying during the the original trilogy, because it wasn't like everybody was a Jedi. There wasn't all this extra power going around. Not everybody was getting their hands on lightsabers. It, it he was, was it, this, yeah. And I think that's what made him more and more of the reason why I think the prequel trilogy did some damage to him, also. Yeah, and I feel confident to say I bet you Tim would uh, echo that Darth Vader is his favorite villain, Most unless likely. he wants to put, give put one over for his son and go with Boba Fett. Mm, I think Boba Fett would have been on his at least top three just because of his son. sure. Yeah. Well, um, he is the proto Skywalker, so it is time to talk about how. Now I said this on our last podcast. This episode nine, the rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a possibility in just spitball? Well, I guess the movie's been out for a few days now. I haven't seen it. I don't. I know you haven't either. Um, that uh, I, I was wondering, the rise of Skywalker. Is there a possibility that they're bringing Anakin back, or is it they're bringing Luke back, um, or are they both coming back? Or somehow, I know. It's, it's, 
but also, well, let me say this. I said it on the last podcast. For those of you keeping score, this is now the third time they're telling us that Star Wars is over. Uh, forgive not, me if I'm oh, not, the 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 Star, the Star Wars okay. saga, the Skywalker say, saga. Star Wars is not over by no. Your I think it's I think it's gonna be a good long while before we see a movie though. I um, don't. I do not. Uh, I want to know how we feel about it. How do we rate all nine chapters as a whole thus far? What are its peaks and valleys? And from my end, episode nine has a lot of damage control to do. I've you know, so I I don't know. When I get around to seeing it, I wonder how it did. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you my five worst moments of the Star Wars saga. Okay. And these are, I guess they're in descending order. Uh, So, number five of my least favorite or five worst moments, Star Wars becomes Star Trek, politics, warp drive, arms dealing in Episode Eight. Also in Episode Eight, Star Wars, uh, Luke is a crap uncle, which is emblematic of the complete character assassination of Luke Skywalker from Episode Eight. Um, coming in at number three, anything involving Annika and Padme in Episode Two, cringeworthy, unwatchable. Um, coming in at number two, Anakin is never truly a hero, therefore his fall is meaningless. Um, and number one. Something that you, I thought you did an excellent job bringing up on our last podcast. You can forgive Jar Jar. You can forgive wooden, non-emotional performances, failure to develop key figures, hokey storytelling, but the demystification of the Force was the one unforgivable sin the prequels committed. Midichlorians fracks the foundation on which the original trilogy was built. My reaction to that was instantaneous, and the main reason I had difficulty revisiting the original trilogy after they talked about midichlorians, it just, all of the magic was removed when they introduced those midichlorians. Do you, How know, about, do you know what's kind of incredible? What? We, we have very similar things in slightly different orders. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so, kicking it off, Anakin's transition into Vader. No! way to end a movie and worst way to destroy one of my all-time favorite villains yeah i remember him saying he wanted to be an homage to frankenstein i'm like no 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 you're star wars you don't have to be an homage to anything yeah you're dumb and by the way that's a bad idea yeah yeah uh number four uh episode eight as a collective and i i have a side note with that i've only watched it once like i said in the previous and i feel like listening to you and tim talk about it Considering I had a bad movie-going experience to see it in the first place, which I think took away from it, and the things that I didn't like about it, you guys didn't even really talk about. You talk about things that I kind of was able to ignore. Okay. Made this encompass thing of this is as bad as it can get, which it is not as bad as it can get because episode two exists. Um, But I got to this point, so it's on my five worst moments for the moment, but I feel like if I rewatch it, I might have a slightly different opinion. So there's a little bit of an asterisk next to that one. Number three, political Star Wars. I took away the whole Western feel and turned into the CNN, and I didn't really care for that. Do I really need to have... Well, that's Star Trek. I, I, I mean, that's why the, the, the two have always been separate, because... But it's bad Star Trek, Darren. Like, it's not even good Star Trek. Well, yeah, they presented it poorly. Like, it was so miserable. Like, it it was bo- It was the first time... It's not what you want out of Star Wars. Well, and it was the first time ever in my life that I went and saw a midnight release of a movie, and I fell asleep. Wow. In eight? No, not eight. I'm talking about the prequels. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, during the prequels, uh, yeah. episode two. 
Uh, it was the first time I ever fell asleep during a movie. Um, I think maybe one of the only times I fell asleep. That in episode three. Episodes two and three were the only times I've ever fallen asleep in a theater watching a movie. And this used to be one of my favorite movie series. I mean, that's that says a lot. Like, the fact that that was even possible. And it just... I don't know. And also, the whole idea, the Jedi Council, which kind of took away the whole mysticism of the Jedi for me mm -hmm. uh, as, as a collective because there was this big mystical group of people that had these powers but no they just chill in a room and even Yoda like it just it hurt all that for me and, and I, I encompass that all into the political Star Wars aspect number two midichlorians do I really need to say anything else no it's I mean all that other stuff to me you can kind of sweep it under the rug because if there's you know, you have that, and then there's a really cool lightsaber battle or this other stuff, and you're like, yeah, that was cool. But the midichlorians is the one thing you just can't get past. I can't, anyway. And my thing to wrap it all up, and this is the thing that whenever someone asks me about watching the prequels, and I'm about to have to sit through them again because my wonderful girlfriend has never sat through all the Star Wars movies... And I was like, okay, we can watch them. We can ignore three of them and just go from episode four. And she's like, I'd really like to watch them all. So I do it. I'm going to. I'm not going to be happy the whole time, especially when I get to episode two and Anakin and Padme's creepy relationship oh. is at its fullest. Just have a few jokes lined up. Yeah, I mean, it's... Don't say them to her. Just go ahead and text them to Tim or myself. It is, it is the most uneven movie to begin with. And then you throw in... Not even necessarily Padme. Like, Padme is it's not great. But Hayden Christensen makes me so uncomfortable. You know what it reminds me of? It's like when one of my students jokingly, like, flirts with me. It's that same feel of, you need to not do that. Yeah, fortunately I haven't had that. <laughs> yeah, lucky. So it's that, it's that whole thing of, it seems like he's way too young and way too creepy and she's weirdly okay with it. Yeah, there was a... I mean, in all the giant missteps they've had, like Luke kissing Leia and then having out he's, she is his sister. You know, them hooking up later in life. Although, the age gap between my wife and I is probably greater than that. So, um, which, I might... Which is the same thing I tried to explain. She's far younger than me. But, but that's the thing. At a certain point in your life, that's fine. It's not when she's like... That's true. When he's just like eighteen, right? Like he's not much sup. older. Yeah, yeah. Sup, girl. <laughs> sup. Look at me. Check out my lightsaber. Like, no, 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 no. So basically, I what ninety percent of that was from the prequels. Yep, sure was. So you know what kind of shook me? Yeah, yeah. I think sure. that's why I'm more of an apologist for Episode Eight. It's it's not the prequels. All right. Scrub our brains. Let's go yeah. with our five best moments. Uh, not surprisingly, all of mine are from the original trilogy. I'd okay. be somewhat surprised if that's not the case for you as well. Um, number five, the destruction of the original Death Star. Uh, just the the trench, the the battles, the the the, the dogfight in space. It was it was it was rendered so beautifully. And to the point where it was one of those things I, I couldn't get enough of how it was made. I even read a book about it when mm -hmm. I was a kid, and that's insane. Um, Luke's training with Yoda on Dagobah and The Empire Strikes Back. Everything he says answers a question or introduces a new one. It is 
an outstanding sequence of events and just Yoda's you know what's in the cave only what you take with you he takes his weapons he brings violence um, Luke's duel with Vader in Cloud City Very oh cool. my god so atmospheric uh, the changes it's changed the face of cinema to some degree at the time because the the twist the obvious twist now everyone was trying to find a twist now it's like you, you almost had to have that or your movie wasn't complete your, your your science fiction movie your thrilling movie it was always just wasn't right um, the infiltration and rescue of Leia on the original Death Star in Star Wars so you're going into a giant space station you're sneaking around you're rescuing a princess you end up running into a monster in a garbage disposal you get out of it you somehow get your ship out and you get planned. It's just, the whole thing is so fun. Yeah. And it's just, it's the stuff that imagination, the stuff that dreams are made of. Um, it's just so, I can't, I, I still play that in my head all the time. And I think we all imagined ourselves in a similar situation. You know, I used to imagine when I first got interested in girls, like, you know, play pretending that I was in the Death Star rescuing, her, you know, whoever I was interested in at the time. Your sister. Just, yeah, it turns out to be my sister, right? And my number one, I think the thing that uh, I to me is the best sequence in the series is the Battle of Hoth. Um, that you lead your movie, your sequel with that, mm-hmm. and it's essentially the good guys getting their butts kicked, and the the desolation and the desperation and the fact that they're they're in so much trouble that they have to go hide out there. And they still get discovered. And Darth Vader, like, landing on Hoth and searching, looking for Luke and just missing him and walking into the hangar bay as the Millennium Falcon takes off. So good. It's so great. And and just the the giant walking beasts that make absolutely no um, sense whatsoever that there's any sort of practicality involved in those machines. But who cares? They look awesome. Yeah. and the snow speeders racing towards them, and it's just—it's just, it's just it's, a lot going it's, on. It's—it's it's, it's, to me, it's the best sequence of the entire series. A lot going on, and in a good way. Oh, for God's sakes, yeah. I mean, Luke, and even like the lead up with Luke—you know, seeing the vision of Obi Wan, mm-hmm. telling him to go see Yoda, Han rescuing him from the—and um, I still can't believe that Kenner made a toy Tauntaun where you can cut open and stick Luke in <laughs> all back, all the way back then. Uh, the dead tauntaun that you can kill. It's it's, I mean it's it's so gross. It's like the clear hot dogs that were in the tauntaun. Oh yeah. He shoves Luke inside. Oh my god. It's and you know it's, I don't know. It's so great. It's just to me, like I said a moment ago, that's what dreams are made of. That's what imagination is. That's you know you sit there and watch it. To, to today, there isn't a single wasted moment in that entire sequence. Everything is important. Luke, you know, using a grappling hook to get up there, slice open the bottom, toss some grenades in there, blow oh, yeah. one up by himself. How cool is that? And, I mean, that was your first time really seeing Luke, like, starting to get the Jedi powers. Yeah. And I mean, it's just so... And the music. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The music. I've listened to that The where you know it, it's... Where you hear the music, you know the part where the drums are beating, where the, the snow speeders are coming over. And the way those things flew, where they kind of hug the landscape, mm-hmm. so they're kind of over in the hills, you know. Um, 
it's just so everything about it. I love it. I couldn't. I could talk about this for another hour. Absolutely, Phil. All right. So I actually took a slightly different approach with this because when I was thinking about this, it was the five best moments. So for me, it was the five best moments that I had that draws me into the series. Okay. So my number five was Force Awakens finally feeling like Star Wars to me again. All right. Because we talked about it. Prequels messed me up real bad. Uh, some of the special edition additions to the original trilogy messed with me a bit. Just even though it was a new New Hope, it was it was nice to be back to Star Wars. Uh, number four, I'm going to echo the Dagobah and Yoda sequence. The whole Luke being trained and really starting to see what the Force is, and this weird little Muppet is is training him and. Starts trying to have to understand like the weird connection he has with Vader before we know the connection he has with Vader. I think it was very, very, very well done. Um, three, for me, this is big. Even though I've mentioned multiple times, even within pretty much the last couple breaths, that the special edition has issues. Seeing the special editions in theaters because that was the first time because I'm younger than you that I actually got to see Star Wars in the theater. So the first time of seeing the scroll at the beginning of that oh, movie yeah. on the big screen, which if I want to actually make this a best moment of star Wars, it's the actual scroll at the beginning of those movies. That's cool. There's I like something that. Very, very good about that. That's cool. Yeah. Leading off of that. And it's something you actually mentioned during your, um, Hoth battle conversation, the music. Think about some of those big moments without the music. You know, you're absolutely right. You need. I remember when I used to do road trips with my mom when I was a kid. I had the special edition CD collection of the the original trilogy, all instrumental, the John Williams stuff. So beautiful, so perfect. You could close your eyes and see the moments of the movie that had happened. It's. You're right. That. I mean, if we were talking about the best moments. If we're talking about just best Star Wars overall, there's a case that the, the score is the number one best thing about the Star Wars trilogy, original trilogy, and maybe overall. The best thing that came out of Episode One was the the music. Oh sure, I mean even Episode Two has a really cool score. It's John Williams. Though. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like there's just if you hear if you hear a song from those movies, you can instantly know that's Star Wars. So I think that that is incredible, and that says so much about it. My number one, just the whole thing, The Empire Strikes Back. It's the peak of what Star Wars is and should be. Great ships, cool planets, there's a pun intended there. Character building that actually made me want to know more and learning more and having so many questions and knowing at my at the point that I was watching it knowing that I will get some of them answered because the next movie was already there this was everything a middle this is the meat of the sandwich of the original trilogy is so delicious you can forget about the bread and that is this is so much about a movie because how often are you like the sequel was so much better than the original. Very rarely. And and that that is it. That that just punches you in the face. Everything about that. And I mean, you've you gushed about the Hoth battle. We've talked about the importance of Luke fighting Darth Vader on, on Bespin and, and like how how huge that is and the fact that you start seeing the relationship of Han and Leia and they get far away from the fact that Luke kissed her. Like there's all these things that are just 
it's it's to me it is the perfect sci-fi movie and almost the perfect fantasy movie and there's just so much good there i i just love all of the different locations all the fight scenes are so solid It, it just it speaks to me and it's always been one of my favorite movies of all time and if that is the only star wars movie i could ever watch i'd be okay with it you know you're right. That that is such a, an incredible film, and it's it's a stunning follow. Oh yes, too. and I think to the point where anytime you talk about a sequel or a series, and something is good, they say, "Oh, this is the Empire Strikes Back of mm-hmm. this series." Like I I, I know when uh, Endgame came out, people said, "Oh, this is the Empire Strikes Back of the Marvel Universe," and and from what I've heard, it definitely sounds like it would be. Um, but you know, on your way home talking about the music do you know what the best single track of for me for all the john williams scores is um the a medal award ceremony at the end of episode uh four no the end credits to the empire strikes back okay because it has the star wars theme darth vader's theme yoda's theme leia's theme han's theme and rolls into the finale it's awesome it's so great it's everything you want in a star wars track and and exactly those star wars tracks they they they're love of their own you they are their own thing and they're yeah. part of it and i i love it, it there, there's just so much to love it, it makes you it makes it it's so hard to believe that out of the eight like proper films that we have at this point <coughs> we've gotten more that we are on the fence about than that we love you know it's funny um, when we were talking about the through line saga, mm-hmm. uh, disassociating uh, Rogue One and Solo, you're right. I, I, I wonder. And, and that's that's interesting. And one of the things we wanted to talk about is how do we rate them? You want me to you want me to lead this one or you want to go ahead and take it? Uh, I need to quickly scribe because I didn't actually rate them. So I well, let think me, I think you'll quick. get it. Okay, so to me, I think we both agree. Empire's top. Well, let's go bottom to top. Bottom to this top. is easier for me to do that. Episode two? Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Followed by... I would say three. Agreed. Okay. And then for me, episode eight comes in with... Uh, and th- and I'd say those are the three I, I don't care for. Those three I don't like. I don't like the movies. I disagree with. And then after those three, I like them. So I think after like going... I think I would tuck eight there for now. Okay. Due to, due to where I... What I've already discussed about it. Okay, so then I'm thinking one, episode one, and then probably Force Awakens. It's tough because now we're we're butted up against the original trilogy, and I don't know. And now I'd say that now to me, here's how I've processed it, because I think once you go to one, to me I go to Force Awakens, but then there's a gap. There's like this empty gap where now you're getting the original trilogy, and then for me, I go Jedi, Star Wars, Empire. I'm really torn because I nostalgia wise I think I like Jedi more but I'd almost put Force Awakens above Jedi really because of what it did for me as a Star Wars fan I, I, I'm a big I love Jedi I know there's a ba- a massive part of the fan base that doesn't and, thinks it's not that great and and it's not that I don't think it's that great I just think 
it's hard for me. It really is. Now, if we were regardless, doing... regardless, Star Wars then Empire, like Empire's top. Yeah, Empire's for sure. top, and Star now, Wars is right below that. A New Hope is right below that. I actually really enjoyed Solo, and if we included the I other still two, still haven't watched Solo. Solo to me slides into the number four spot. It's that good, huh? Yeah, I really liked it. I really did. Rogue thought... One was fine. Yeah, it was good. It was okay. I don't think, I don't think it was bad. It de- it's definitely not prequel garbage. I know, right? Yeah, so I, I, I'm curious. I think that one slides in right behind the Force Awakens for me, maybe, maybe slightly. Ahead I, of I would say, one. I would say, Force Awakens is above it for me. Um, and I mean, Jedi's above it for me. And like I said, I think Jedi and Force Awakens are kind of like side by side for me. Like they, they hit. Just because, again, I don't think, I don't think Force Awakens is the better film, but I think it after what. It renewed your love. Because of the renewal power of it. I find it impossible to leave, given my relationship to Star Wars, when I was coming of age, while those movies were being Mm -hmm. released originally, that any movie or TV show that they're going to put out is going to top the original trilogy. I... I keep trying. I'm, I'm more than welcome to be open to the fact that something could come in and blow me out of the water. I... Don't think it's going to be this this uh, episode nine. I don't think it's going to be the Mandalorian. Although I think I I'll like them. You, Mandalorian is going to be pretty high in your list if it if it concludes in the same vein as it has been going. Because I haven't finished it yet, and you haven't started it yet. No, not yet. But I mean, we're here at the end of it, and I haven't been let down yet. I'm excited for it. It's very good. Now, one of the questions I would have, and I wish Tim were here for this because. Are there any questions remaining? Um, is there something that still lingers as confusing? And is this really the end of the Skywalker saga? Now, keep in mind, they've already told us two other times that this is the end of the Skywalker saga. Are we are we sure that this is going to be at? Like, every saga comes to an end. Every The beginning comes to an end. I remember like all those things that we've told this before. Now, and I'm going to tell you why I don't have any lingering questions. We have overmined even some of the most minute details are the smallest characters in this series, given the uh, you know the, the 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 things we like to travel mm-hmm. and the things we like to talk about. So I don't really think there's anything lingers as confusing. I do think that after episode one, there was an attempt to sweep the midichlorians under the rug and pretend it never happened. Smart move. Yeah. I don't recall if they're ever actually mentioned again. They were in they were in, in two, the prequels in episode two. But I think that, in three they were. I don't I, know. When I rewatch them, I'll let you know. I I mean I think. Again, I think it, it, a lot of this has to go with how Episode Nine plays out. Um, I feel like one of the reasons that Ray's parentage kind of got bumped away in Eight is so that they could say it's the end of the Skywalker saga because the original thing was like she's probably like Luke's daughter, right? Like that was one of the one of the or something, or maybe I think the pop, the more popular, the more likely was that she was a, a Kenobi. Okay. Like, I thought that for a while. Which, um, I mean... Still could be, I guess. Still could be. Uh, yeah. But I think, at this rate, the fact that I, I don't see a Skywalker surviving... Like, Kylo Ren may, but he's, like, half Skywalker. Like, his mom was a Skywalker, but he's more of a solo, like a solo, right? So... They could say, like, the Skywalker saga is over, and they could still even carry on with, like, Poe Dameron in them. Yeah, and, we'll see. And, and keep going if they really want to. But, I mean, and again, you're not seeing The Mandalorian, because, I mean, one of the other questions is, what's next? I think Mandalorian is a good way of dipping your toes into, what can we do in this universe that has nothing to do? 
and they're like we do this how does this work oh this works great okay bounty hunter that's jumping around from different planets protecting this 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 child like that that's the there's no way you don't know about that at this point so like this works this works it's enjoyable there's a little bit of comedy there's very good fighting it's it's it has this feel so can we do this on a big screen version well think about the fact that mandalorian is going to be eight episodes total each one it ranges somewhere between 30 to 45 minutes i mean th- it's basically three movies hmm. so we'll see it can work well be that as it may all that could be coming from star wars it's time <laughs> to take a look backwards. I'm sorry for you, Darren. Oh, I made what can only be called a massive <laughs> tactical error leading into our first Star Wars special. My enthusiasm was such that I decided that I would divide... Um, the original Marvel years of Star Wars comics in two-thirds and review them during each of our Star Wars specials. It's going now, great. Now, <laughs> one of the things when we started this podcast I wanted to start doing was, and I was a little concerned about revisiting some of the storylines that I enjoyed when I was reading comics as a kid mm-hmm. because I had grown accustomed to some very sophisticated storytelling in comic books and was concerned that I, you know, wondering, because growing up we were told so often that comic books were, you know, kind of an opiate for the masses or the weak-minded or whatever. And, you know, we grew up defending it, but there was probably a little bit of a prevailing notion that is that really true? Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit afraid to go back, and one of the first ones I did was Crisis on Infinite Earths, with the very first episode we ever produced was that, I ended up only getting six issues into it because it was so sophisticated. It kind of blew my blew me out of kind of just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. And I didn't get back around to it until a couple of months ago, leading into the CW series mm-hmm. doing their adaptation of the Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I started to really, really enjoy those comics from the seventies and eighties. And in point of fact, I've done so many of them now, like the Tomb of Dracula. Um, Atari Force was fantastic mm-hmm. for me. Micronauts, I did. So I was really excited to do the Star the original Marvel Star Wars years yeah. because I figured, well, this is going to be more of the same. Oh, how wrong I was. Well, it started now, out okay, right? The very beginning, um, you seemed okay with it. It was about that's about as high a praise I'm willing to okay. give. That I was somewhat okay with it. Um, and the reason I was somewhat okay with it, originally I have, the ver- I think it's the first 40 issues, I have them. Each singular issue. I completed this by picking up the compendium editions for the, the latter two-thirds. But I have, all the way through the Empire Strikes Back adaptation, I have the physical comic books. And I did go actually go out and buy the Return of the Jedi issues because I wanted to have them. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed reading them because, you know, I'm a sucker for those old toy ads. I'm a sucker for all those stuff. You, you know, if you remember like the mail away catalogs and the cartoon, the Saturday morning cartoons ads. And, you know, I love the old, the feel of an old comic book. And Carmine Infantino, uh, one of the luminaries in the comic book industry, was one of the illustrators initially. So it was, it was kind of a time capsule. Now, if you want to know more about the history 
of Star Wars at Marvel, check out our recently reposted Star Wars special one from 2015 where I go into the history of Star Wars comics at Marvel. Um, so I'm not going to cover that here today, but I am going to do a little bit of review of what I've covered in terms of the storyline. Um, I also uh, talked about the creators that were involved and a few plot points. So check those out. Recently reposted December 2015, December 2017. Um, you should find them real quickly uh, within the last five episodes of what we've done. Yeah. So now, 108 issues. Got through all of them. Yeah, it was a chore. Well, that's so sad. And you were initially really excited about doing it. Let me put it this way. I hope this inspires you to for two things. If you say you're going to do something on the podcast, never, ever, 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 ever give me an excuse of why you're not going to do it because I will throw this in your face. But number two, don't be afraid to try it. Yeah. And also, don't speak in terms of absolutes like I did. But I took one for the team. I finished it. I'm glad I did. It's a, it, I, You know what it is? Even if I quit on it, it would still be an itch I would need to scratch. So okay. I no longer feel that way. So some of this is going to be reviewed from the last two times I, I talked about this. Um, but here's a continuing rundown of my thoughts and oddities from the entire 108-issue run of Marvel's original Star Wars years. And let's point out that the first time you did 50, between the first two episodes, you needed a whole 50 for this last part. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. 57. Yeah, I did. Oof. Unfortunately, I, I, I managed to somehow keep a regular schedule. I needed about 45 back in August, so I, I banked them out. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of... Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, so there's a lot of here that runs in disagreement with the eventual mythology. It is now a complete running journal of all, one, all issues 1 to 108, beginning with the six-issue adaptation of Star Wars. Now, are you ready for this? this is, these are just things I wrote down, oddities, strange dialogue, weird stuff, my thoughts. Starting with the original adaptation of A New Hope. Darth Vader observes and gives importance to the crest of Alderaan and is looking for data tapes when he boards the Rebel Blockade Runner. You've heard some of this before. Vader refers to the Force as the Cosmic Force. R2 is referred to as an asteroid droid. Issue 5 implies that Ben Kenobi is responsible for giving the Force its name. Luke's call sign during the Death Star Assault is Blue 5, not Red 5. Hey, Han shoots first. <laughs> I made that joke once before. Yeah. Issue 17, an untold tale of Luke Skywalker's past, Crucible, heavily implies that Luke's father grew up on the same moisture farm on which he was living with his Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. It's kind of strange to read Luke referencing his father as this is far before Empire. Though, they never did ask about their mother, did they? We see Luke Bullseye on Womp Rat. Lightspeeder is referred to as Warp Drive. That'd be Star Trek. Time is spent showing just how expert of a pilot Biggs was makes it seem unlikely that he would have been destroyed during the Battle of Yavin. Marvel seem bent on branding the core cast of characters the Star Warriors, even though they rarely appear in the same issue together. Stories revolved around Jackson, a green humanoid bunny, and Tim's favorite expanded universe character. 
Luke's inner dialogue often drifts towards his romantic feelings toward Princess Leia and struggles with the notion that Han could be a rival or Big Brother type figure. All in the same. Further in the issue, 28, Luke makes out with Leia. Hmm. Darth Vader finally reappears in issue 23. The Star Wars company, as Lucasfilm was then known, must have placed an embargo on his use in issue 28. Jabba, appearing as the green-whiskered humanoid alien as he did in the Star Wars adaptation, has Han and Chewie cornered on the rain-soaked planet of Orleon. Han and Chewie could have left Jabba to die as galactic stone mites were devouring Jabba's ship, the Voidraker. Han and Chewie show mercy and elect to save Jabba as long as he cancels Han's debt. Jabba reluctantly agrees. Later, in issue 31, Han tells Luke of the encounter he had and Chewie, with he and Chewie, and they have resolved their differences with Jabba the Hutt. In issue 29, Darth Vader gets punched in the face by a Borg named Valence. It was just such a weird visual. Um, the Empire... And the rebels have a feud with a character named Baron Ormond Tog and the House of Tog for several issues. Tog, who appears to be a shipping magnet of some sort, has been blinded by Vader and seek reven seeks revenge by training himself in the lightsaber arts. The Empire's follow-up secret weapon to the after the destruction of the Death Star is the Omega Frost, which can remove moisture from any object in its path. Now here is actual narrative explanation for the Omega Frost. Since most things in the galaxy contain some moisture, it is awesome. Okay. Issues 33 through 37 are perhaps the strangest of the series, and that's all the way through. They cover set, The cover of the issue 33 sets the tone for what's to come, with Darth Vader looming large over a chess set of Han, Leia, Chook... <laughs> Chook. Chook. Han, Leia, Luke... <laughs> May all as right. well be Chuk. All right, Internet, get on that. Give me a Luke uh, Chu uh, Baca or Luke Baca. Uh, Han, Leia, Luke, Chewbacca, R2D2, C3PO, and of course, Baron Orman Tog. It's as if he's playing with Kenner, Kenner action figures. Cute. Luke is sent on a diploma diplomatic mission where he knows Darth Vader will be waiting. The planet Monastery is a peaceful planet, neutral in the war between the Empire and the Rebellion, and one where weapons are outlawed except lightsabers, which are seen purely as ceremonial. Luke is escorting a priestess, a priestess named Domina, that's a priestess named Domina, draw your own conclusion, to meet with the planet's high council, and Luke is tasked with addressing the council in hopes of convincing them to endorse the Rebellion. Darth Vader has also been granted an audience with the opposite objective. When Luke and Vader bump into each other, but must remain peaceful so as not to upset the Council. R2-D2 holds Luke back from attacking Vader as Vader appears to woo Domina. For a moment, Luke and Vader are, appear to be vying for the affections of the same woman. Vader is seen holding Domina's hand as if to kiss it. This is all kinds of wrong. Now, this is the first time I've been able to talk to you about this because last time, if you recall, I got called away during the middle of our Star Wars special. Yeah. Now, I know, like, if you if you listen to our uh, special episode two recently, you're hearing this again. But I really wanted to get your reaction to this because, if you recall, I had to do it off where you guys weren't around. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to. It gets weirder. 
Issue 37 is full of more contradictions. Luke and Vader are eventually scheduled to duel and meet on a ridge near where, where near where the duel will take place. Each has to travel a path through treacherous terrain before meeting at the end of each path, and there it happens. It appears that Luke and Vader engage in a lightsaber duel, but in actuality, it was Baron Norman Tog appearing as Vader through a force vision of Vader's concoction. Upon this realization, Luke confronts Vader, but they are prevented from clashing sabers as crystalline stalagmites thrust from the ground, separating them. During the confrontation, Vader refers to Luke as Puppy more than once. He confronts Luke, explains that he used a decoy to trick him so he can observe Luke's abilities. Keep in mind, leading to this confrontation, Vader more than once was standing right next to Luke. This is issue 37. Issue 39 begins the Empire Strikes Back adaptation in which Vader, in which Vader states very early that his primary objective is locating Skywalker. A two-page spread appears as epilogue at the end of the issue that is not connected to the overall story. Want to guess at what they had to do? Fix everything they did before? Yeah. It essentially sees Jabba restore the bounty on Han and Chewie. Oh, boy. It is as if Marvel was told to course correct after Han and Chewie seem to settle their affairs with Jabba. Then, we are told that the next issue will be the highly anticipated adaptation of The Empire Strikes Back. But the series doesn't begin until number 39. All right, now we're going to skip ahead. And this is all new stuff. This, uh, this is almost, you're going to say the adaptation of The Empire Strikes Back is, is rather odd. Um, and you can hear a lot about that in my last review uh, from uh, the, our Star Wars Special 2. We're going to skip ahead now. This is following The Empire Strikes Back. So this is, uh, the, these are the issues I read that, you know, uh, between Empire and Jedi. Okay. So issue 51, General Recon wonders why the Empire hadn't built another Death Star. Yeah. Of course they would. Yeah. The Rebels intercept plans for the Tarkin, a weapon for presumably more powerful than the Death Star. Marvel really wanted us to like the Hoojibs. The Hoojibs are these bunny, squirrel-like creatures that are allow, that allowed the Alliance to house their base within their system of caves on their home planet of Arbra. They are telepathic creatures who joined the fight against the Empire and somehow remained a point of emphasis right up until the final issue. Chief among them is Plif, who accompanies Luke on most of his, his adventures, and he kind of pushes R2 aside, being his new sidekick. Weird. The Hoojibs predate the Ewoks, but when the Return of the Jedi comes and goes, the Alliance maintains a base of operation on Endor, and the Hoojibs accompany them. It became like a stuffed animal section of a toy store. Star Wars was always allegorical to World War II, and Marvel editors seem willing to explore this further as a mutiny on the Tarkin was planned against Darth Vader as several Nazi factions claimed ready to uh, do this against Hitler. So, because they did some flashback uh, issues because they were clearly reaching at this point. Yeah, it was unclear. Um, but this is still between Empire and Jedi. Okay. Now... Lando and Lobot encounter a documentary film crew of Ugnaughts while on Bespin's planet surface. That was English. Yes, it was. <laughs> the Ugnaughts, you remember them? They're over there. They were the creatures in Bespin that were, you know, working the droid foundry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Those okay. Guys. The Ugnaughts have dialogue and appear to have Scottish accents. 
Luke, Lando, Lobot, and a rebel pilot named Shia get in a blaster fight with Imperials who had taken over Cloud City. The Ugnats reporting live from the scene as the rebels... It was very strange. Yeah. Sometime around issue 60, the Star Warriors begin to search for Han Solo, but somehow don't think to go to Jabba. At his latest issue 68, Jabba is referred to as a man. Princess Leia attempts to locate Boba Fett on Mandalore. She discovers Boba Fett was one of three survivors with Tabi Dala and Fen Shissa, the other surviving Mandalorians. Is uh, the Mandalorian is is his, by in the new show? Is his name by chance Tabi Daba? No, they, they okay. just call him Mando. Mando because he's a Mandalorian. Okay, not Finn Sasha. No, he's okay. just, just wonder. Just, yeah, that'd no. be weird. No, there, there, there's not, there's not only three either. There's, there's quite a few. Okay. Yeah. Issue sixty nine. Leah channels Vinny Barbarito by telling the prison warden, "Hey, why don't you sit on it?" Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Mister Cotta. The Vader dialogue is so off at times; it's hard to hear James Earl jo- Jones's voice in your head while reading. That's upsetting. Yeah, you can't do it. Um. As late as issue 80, one issue before Return of the Jedi, it seems as writers, artists, were uncertain of the nature of stormtroopers. I can recall wondering as a kid if they were robots or humanoid. Luke hack slashes his way through a group of stormtroopers. A severed arm's innards look mechanical, robotic in nature. So it's as if Marvel still wasn't sure. Are those soldiers or are they robots? Are they robot soldiers or human soldiers? Hmm. Return of the Jedi Adaptation, Issue 2, is Luke's return to Dagobah. It is more than odd. As in the movie, Yoda confirms to Luke that Darth Vader is his father, but does not avoid the question. Yoda wraps up by telling Luke that when he's gone, the last of the Jedi will you be. What happens next? After Yoda tells him... There is another. Correct. Yeah. That doesn't happen in the comic. No. Weird. In fact, Luke does not witness Yoda die slash become one with the Force. I won't go as far as to say that it is implied Yoda is alive, but his fate is ambiguous at best. A narrative box states that Luke leaves Yoda to much-needed rest. Luke does not seem to be grieving. Luke's conversation with Obi-Wan is altered dramatically as well, as Obi-Wan tells Luke that Leia is his sister and the next great hope. Luke does not arrive to this conclusion on his own, yet Obi-Wan still remarks how Luke's insight serves him well. Remember how Luke comes and is like, Leia, Leia's my yeah, sister. Yeah. Obi-Wan just tells him. Wait, so, and is Obi-Wan is still ghost Obi-Wan. Still ghost Obi-Wan. Okay, okay making sure there wasn't some live Obi-Wan existing. No, in the, okay. it's weird because, you know, he oh, says, you know, there's another, Leia, Leia's my sister. Your insight serves you well. Mm-hmm. He still says, by the way, Leia's your sister. Your insight serves you well. Luke doesn't even say anything. Um, Leah does not meet Wicked, nor does Wicked appear in the comic at all. Luke's lightsaber is red when he turns it, uh, when he and it are turned over to Vader on Endor. Han does not confront Leia as Luke leaves the Ewok village. Luke leaves Vader on the Death Star with escaping without him, so he doesn't have the funeral pyre. He just leaves Vader and takes off. Hmm. Um, Akbar proclaims only a trap, missing an entire early meme opportunity. No indication that Luke sees the Force ghosts of Anakin, Obi-Wan, or Yoda. Okay. So that is the... Now, obviously, there's some constraints that uh, the Marvel editors and artists had going in Return of the Jedi yeah. because they didn't want to put out any leaks. But there's some strange ones. like, And I'm sure you're, you're cut, you can cut Wicket for time. 
and, and space in the pages in the comic. You only have so much space. But there's some strange things here that, that do run counter to... Um, well, you said it seemed like they were more pushing that rabbit race than the Ewoks anyhow, right? The Hoojibs, yeah, so yeah. So... And, then, and by the way, as soon as Return of the Jedi is over, the Hoojibs come right back. Um, issue 81, the first issue post-original trilogy. You're going to love this. First issue... Post original trilogy, Tim, you might uh, you <laughs> might want to play this for your son, the Boba Fett fan. It sees Han, Leia, and R two head back to Tatooine where they run into Boba Fett. He has amnesia, does not recognize Han, and calls him friend. They end up on a sand crawler because of reasons. Fett's memory begins to jar, and just as he begins to regain some semblance of himself. And before Han can save him, he falls right back into the Sarlacc pit. What? Not seen again in the original Marvel years. Chewbacca's family from the holiday special, Mala and Lumpy, make an appearance on oh, issue no. Yeah, they show up in issue 91. Why? I couldn't believe that. I was like, you got to be kidding me. What are these people doing here? I'm amazed that wasn't a picture in a text, Darren. I didn't hear the hurt. <laughs> I, I, the stuff I put in there was bad enough oh man original stories also appeared in a magazine called pizzazz these stories are collected in back of the third compendium as are all issues of star wars weekly star wars weekly ran from february 1978 to march 1980 these were not much more than the reprinted comics from the states for uk readers uh, yeah i didn't read these all issues following Return of the Jedi are comprised mostly of self-contained stories with no true direction. The long and short of it seems to be the Rebellion attempting to extinguish pockets of residual Imperial power. There's no real attempt to create a new lead villain. The cover of issue 88 features Leah, Leah dodging a laser blast from a cyborg-looking female character bearing a passing resemblance to Vader. It's a sort of Bride of Frankenstein by way of the Pillsbury Doughboy look. On the cover, text reminds readers that Darth Vader is dead and boldly claims, Long live the new Dark Lord. The character is named Lumaya. Though she appeared to be vanquished in that same issue, she would reemerge in issue 95 as the leader of the Nagai, positioned to be the next great threat to Alliance peacekeeping. The Nagai would limp along until the final issue. Their defeat considered the final threat, allowing the Star Warriors to finally retire. It seems, though, that Lamaya has lasting appeal deep within a Star Wars fan base. Now, I didn't know this. I really, I wish Tim were here because I, I want to know if he knew about this. A quick search reveals cosplayers, fan art, and even officially produced action figures for Lamaya. Additionally, if every basketball and hockey game I watch are, be, are to be believed, Lamaya is also very useful in relieving plaque psoriasis. I mentioned Lamaya's popularity only because I'm surprised it has escaped me given the amount of time I've spent in a galaxy far, far away. Tim, you ever heard of Lamaya? By the way, careful. I googled Lamaya, and apparently there's some uh, erotic fan fiction centered around Lamaya because... Because the internet? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Man. Star Wars, the original Marvel years, it just sort of ends. There's no fanfare, no fond farewell, no acknowledgement of what the early days of the title meant for Marvel. Truly, it should have ended with the with the final issue of Return of the Jedi, but it drudged along until September 1986, wow. three-plus years following the Return of the Jedi. I was unable to obtain any hard sales figs on the series toward its end. However, it was once the top seller for Marvel, 
And as I detailed in our first Star Wars special, saved the company from bankruptcy. It was the book that saved Marvel from bankruptcy. Crazy. Yeah. As it limped toward its end, I estimated it was only pulling in about a third of what it once did. Um, Now, I imagine for diehard fans, that final issue had to be a sad moment. Star Wars had to truly seem to have run its course by then. Without the comics, what else was to come? No cartoon, no TV show, certainly no talk of another movie, unless either of you can think of something I'm missing from that time period. Star Wars is dormant for nearly five years at that time. The next time Star Wars resurfaces in any form would be 1991 with the uh, Thrawn trilogy of novels. You're familiar with those, The Heir to the Empire. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, and then the Dark Horse now owning Dark Horse now owning the comic rights. Dark Empire would tell its own sequel tale, which was also great. I covered that in one of our retroactive yes. reviews a long time ago. Now, since that point, however, since the Dark Empire, Dark Empire uh, debuted. At least in comic form, Star Wars has only been a month away. You know, I was a little bit, speaking entirely of the last issue, I was kind of disappointed in Marvel at that time, failing to recognize, although it's ending, this is a hugely important book for us Mm -hmm. because it saved us. And if you recall in that that first time around, I, I detailed how Stan Lee didn't want it and he finally rolled that he was convinced by uh, one of the editors to do it. And it saved Marvel from bankruptcy. And who knows what would have happened. Um, Star Wars, for sure, holds an extraordinarily important place in the history of Marvel Comics. For that simple fact. And now, of course, they have it back. Yeah, it's on the same umbrella again. Yeah, it's on the same umbrella. And once again, when they introduced their Star Wars number one... Mm-hmm. It was uh, the top seller of the year. I think it's the top seller of the last since, since it debuted. It still the, it holds the record for Marvel over the last like ten years. Yeah, or but something. those comics are good. Yeah, I yeah. stopped it, reading them, but they were yeah. I read the first thirty, I think. They were I did too. Solid. And you know, it was it was the last Jedi that made me you know kind of jump off the yeah, ship. Yeah, they were very good. I, I'd like to I, get back to them at some point. What well, did you know? They're they're doing a new number one because everything they did prior. Everything they did oh, yeah. was between Star Wars and Empire, and now they're going to do between Empire and Star Wars. So I did sign up for that. I I, I talked to guys. You mean Grant. Empire and Jedi? Yeah, I'm sorry. I said Empire, Star Wars, Empire, Jedi. So I did. I actually signed up for that one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out for a while. So I'm, I'm interested, but I, I probably won't. I'm yeah, it's a uh, Star Wars nice is a, Star Wars is a really an extraordinarily rich history in comic books, and I know obviously you don't consider it. Most people don't consider it as a, a comic book you know franchise mm-hmm. primarily but i mean you know if it wasn't for that star wars number one back in 1977 we might have a marvel cinematic universe today it saved marvel i mean it is as important a book to marvel as anything you can think of um when you get right down to it now it's 108 issues don't ever read these <laughs> and i say that and just they're just not good there's literally nothing happens I've never read a comic book series. Now, of course, I would have jumped off the ship many, many, many mm-hmm. issues ago. But I felt like this needed to happen. I felt like this. I needed to complete this. Um, maybe in jest to save, save someone else from the trouble. Um, but I've never read a comic book series where 
for 108 issues, nothing happens. Obviously, there were there were a lot of constraints from uh, the Star Wars company, now known as Lucasfilm, that they couldn't do a lot of things with certain characters. They weren't a lot. I mean, Darth Vader doesn't even show up after the original adaptation until issue 23. Yeah. Um, and even then, he doesn't feature regularly. It's not something that I think. I don't know where you put this in, in the Star Wars, the annals of Star Wars history. I think it's an interesting footnote, for sure, of the aforementioned saving Marvel from bankruptcy. Yeah. That one single issue, Star Wars number one. But other than that, there's really no other reason to, I think, you know, talk about the original Marvel years of Star Wars comics. There's, there's nothing to grab onto. No, uh, no character, no original characters really came out of it. Whereas, you know, even the Thrawn trilogy and Dark Empire, you had original characters spawn off of that. Like Grand Admiral Thrawn, one of the more popular Star Wars characters yeah. out there. Who no um, longer counts. Oh, uh, I thought he does. I thought they did Because he's in Rebels. I thought they nixed everything from the books. Yeah, well, you know what I, I say. If you, don't, if you, want, you don't want it to be nixed, it doesn't have to be nixed. It's Who fair. cares what Disney says? So, but I'm glad that's over. I am really looking forward to my next retro review. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's yeah. not going to be about Star Wars. No. It, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who's up next. I don't. Well, look, well, well, that's a problem for another day. Yeah, yes it is. Oh, man. So, Star Wars. So, when do you think you're actually going to see it? Because I'm seeing it very, very soon. I, uh, you know, I said I, I've, uh, we did an, we did an episode of this podcast maybe back in the summer and one of the segments was fix star wars for darren yeah this didn't help what reading the comics no it was not no not advisable watch mandalorian you'll be okay uh i don't know when i'm gonna see it unfortunately i may be in a little bit of a quandary uh yeah regarding yeah, i'm aware that movie. That um it's uh i don't know i'm this is more of a celebration of star wars as a whole uh-huh. i don't know if how much factors uh episode nine factors into it but um i still love star wars it's fun yeah i uh i i am looking forward to that new series i am looking forward to the mandalorian um i'm looking forward to obi-wan kenobi the tv series yeah it should be good and i'm gonna watch rebels i'm excited to watch rebels i really want to catch up with it i enjoyed it i think that's something i'm gonna want to do uh pretty quickly after the new year get into that uh we'll see where he is i think but, this uh summer i'm going to try to tackle a fallen order because i hear it's great yeah i'm excited about that too yeah now you know what else i'm excited about what you looking forward to yeah, yeah. i am looking forward to what, what you're, you're looking, looking forward, forward to, to which is one of our great. favorite uh episodes of the year that we do yeah and is we're going to compile the three of us our lists of everything that we are anticipating in 2020. Now, do you do you remember? Now, I've in the the two years in a row. Last year I had a new one, but two years before that, it was the same thing. It's finding Gosmer that never came, right? Or is that that was That's longer a long ago. time ago? So my number one in 2016 was Stranger Things, yeah. which delivered ridiculously. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in 2017, and there was not anything. Do you remember what my number one was last year? It wasn't a Stranger Things, no, so... Uh, I don't remember. It wasn't Disney+. Plus. No. I think that might have... 
something we both watched recently that should oh dark crystal and it delivered yeah beyond expectations now any uh uh, thoughts on what some of mine might be for 2020 because i can guess some of yours i mean stranger things if sure yeah because that's closing out right it's gonna be the last season i heard two more i thought it was only one yeah you'd probably know better than i would i haven't heard anything i just thought that i heard um Maybe that new Star Wars series. Uh, Which new Star Wars series? The, the comic. Or does that drop at the end of 19? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's on there. I'm going to read it. Wonder Woman. Maybe. Maybe not. The trailer looked good, but I don't know if it's on. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what else. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, the Superman TV show. Yeah, that, that'll be on the list. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Boy, it sure took them a long time to get there, but they got there. Yeah. Do you have any guesses for me at this point? You know, it's funny. Hmm. In the years past, it's been so easy, but it seems like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, is going gonna, gonna to slow down for a little while. I think there's only like one movie, really. Maybe two. Black Widow. And Eternals, Black Widow? I think, is going to be tucked in. Is Black Widow going to be in the top ten? I don't, I don't even know, honestly. This is an interesting year for you. There'll be some video games. Okay, sure. so that's where I'm a little bit. Um, new comics? That's always one of mine. I mean, new comics in general. I don't have anything really on the horizon, I don't think. Hmm. I need to actually, if anything, I'm going to look forward to dropping some. Oh, yeah? Oh, God. Um, Do you want to give us a hint? Is there anything that maybe I'm not thinking of that you think like will you be said, on the video, list? video games for sure. Anyone in particular coming? There, There's one that... You want to hold it? Well, of course. What's, you've got to have a reason for people to come back. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, so we're. I, I like doing this. It's a lot of fun oh, yeah, because great. you know, there's always stuff in, in your list and in Tim's list that I didn't even know about. Oh yeah, and I um, think that's what's cool about it is yeah. it kind of draws our attention to some things. Yeah, like Dark Crystal. I wouldn't. Have, I probably wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been on my radar without you, honestly. Oh, my gosh. And man, poor Deet. Oh, it's so good. Hup for president. Oh man. All right, so that is what is coming next month. Uh, do you have anything else, Darren? I don't. All right, so as always, you can follow us on Instagram at Panel Scanners. There is a Facebook as well under the same name. Um, and other than that, I don't think there's too much else going on. So next month, we will be talking about what we're looking forward to. And until then, enjoy your comics. Enjoy your comics.